This is Al for One Sports, your podcast for all things Philly sports. Let's get into it. And I'm Tom Carroll with Out for One Sports. And I'm Anthony Carroll for Out for One Sports. Oh, and let me open my beer while I'm at it. I got mine wide open. Got a nice little Coors Light here. Got a nice uh, Broken Skull IPA courtesy of uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. So we had the big game yesterday. What would you think of it? Oh, it was... Uh, it was uh, not not the greatest, I'd say, Tom. I was expecting much better, like, to be honest. Uh, just like Tony Romo and uh, Jim Nance were saying, they were expecting one for the ages. Back, I was expecting a back-and-forth battle. Um, yes, yeah, same as well. I was thinking it was going to be a, a nice little shootout here. But, you know, so anybody who picked that 56... It's .5 over. You know, it's not looking too good for you. Yeah, that was uh, not, that was rough. Um yeah, I pick, I picked the uh, Chiefs minus two and a half, and I was looking for a Tyreek Hill touchdown too. Got neither of them. Who would have thought? And uh, the Chiefs wouldn't have scored one single touchdown. Yeah, that is uh, crazy. Um, considering uh, the last two when they faced, you know, Tyreek Hill was over two hundred yards receiving uh, in the first half of that game. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I also too had the Chiefs minus three. Also hoping that Tyreek Hill would score a touchdown as well. Yeah, exactly. And uh, just didn't work out. Now, even when they uh, went down, I still thought, you know, this is still a game. You know, I've seen the Chiefs come back from qu- a couple games, especially in the playoffs. But I felt like Tampa had a good defensive game plan against them. Um, it didn't It didn't help very much that the Chiefs were missing two of their starting tackles. Uh, they had to shuffle their offensive linemen around. And, um, you know, Mahomes was ro- running around on a – bad toe there so but he was still uh chucking balls you know from all angles just he heck he even was diving throwing balls like looked like he was flying throwing balls but and hitting his receivers in the face but in the face but his receivers couldn't get it get, thought i was the watching ball. uh the dodgeball yeah exactly <laughs> um yeah i mean i i really thought that the uh game changer was actually going to be that nice uh fourth and goal stop by the chiefs uh, where they stopped Ronald Jones uh, oh, yeah. at the uh, half yard, but uh, I guess it didn't pan out too well there. Um, I guess you got to be on top of your toes when you're you're playing uh, Tom Brady there. I mean, it's uh, you know seven Super Bowls right there for him. Yeah, I mean you can't argue with it now that he is the goat. Um, seven Super Bowls. He has more Super Bowls himself than any any other franchise. It's crazy to think. Yeah. Can't like it's crazy to think how long we've been watching him. Just about all been, my life I've uh, been watching him. <laughs> Now, the next question is going to be, did he deserve to be the MVP, though? I don't believe so. Um, I think, if anything, the D- the MVP of that game was their defense. I say you hand it to any one of their uh, linebackers um, or somebody in their secondary. You know, they, they, they kept Mahomes in check. To keep the Kansas City Chiefs from scoring a single touchdown, I think somebody on that defense deserved the uh, MVP there. Yeah, maybe you could give it to uh, Antoine Winfield Jr., who uh, flashed the he signed a Tyreek Hill towards the end of that game. 
Yeah, I mean, that that was uncalled for at the end. But, you know, to keep him in check for the most part in that game, I mean, one of those guys deserved it. But, you know, I feel like they just kind of gave it to Brady just because, you know. Because I think without Brady, though, they're not making the Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Tampa Bay was uh, really doing the two very high safeties there for most of the games. You'd actually see you know, free state safety would uh, come creeping up you know, as the snap would go. But for the most part, they were all, you know, too deep most times. So took away a lot of the, the deep passes. Right. And just Mahomes just had very little time scrambling for his life. Heck, half the time, I think he was like running 30 yards back almost every play. Yeah, it was, uh, it was not, it was not pretty. Yeah, it was rough. Um, yeah, I was definitely expecting more of a shootout. I was very disappointed. I feel like the uh, last good Super Bowl I've seen was the year we won the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, if you uh any anybody who's uh listening, if you want to, you know, let us know about any uh, bets you you won and or lost, let us know. Yeah. So move moving on from that, what did you uh think of the uh halftime show there with uh, the weekend? Uh, it was uh I'd say awkward. Uh wasn't sure what was going on, you know, you see the memes coming out with, you know, how just just how confused the uh, Chiefs' uh, offense was throughout the whole game it was like uh, the weekend running through his little maze during the halftime show. Yeah, I did think it was the show was a little weird. Like I got a little creeped out by the uh, jock straps on the guys' faces. Um, yeah, we know that's just bandages, though, but they look like jock straps. <laughs> Daddy, chill. <laughs> but we, I know, uh, I was listening to ninety-seven five today, and. Uh, I was listening to Tyrone, and he said, um, me, I mean, obviously, th- those masks were because of COVID. So many guys in a small area, you know, they had to wear those. Right. Just, I don't yeah. understand why they had to make it look like jock straps. <laughs> yeah, I mean, considering Florida is one of the most, you know, relaxed states in the country with COVID, it's interesting that they required that. Yeah. Um, other than that, like, the production was good. The sound didn't come out, come across on the TV too well, but, you know. If it wasn't for the weird masks and I think the sound, I think it would have been a good performance. It also helps, though, when you have, like, another band with you to kind of, like, take the tension off you for a second, have somebody else come in and do a cover. Yeah, it always always helps with a little bit of relief there. I mean, I I will say, you know, you really haven't seen a good Super Bowl in the last three years. The last one that you definitely see is the the history-making of the Eagles versus the Patriots there. Yeah. And um, that second half, I thought maybe the Chiefs would adjust, um, adjust their game plan. Just Bucks shut them out the rest of the way, held them to what I think just one field goal. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it was a little tough. I mean, the Chiefs. I mean, it almost seemed like every play there was a hold or pass interference there somewhere. I mean, t- granted, you know, you see that every play, but. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, as we discussed with somebody, uh, you know, just holding every single play in the NFL. It's just a matter of what the refs really catch. And really, some calls are blatant than others. It's really hard to play offensive linemen in the NFL or any football league, for that matter, and not really hold. Yeah, exactly. In some vein, you're going to hold almost every play. But the fact that, you know, you literally called, you know, every other play holding, just just like the – you know, Tony Romo said after the half what the what the halftime show guys were saying as well. Like the refs needed to t- take a step back. Like, 
you got to let these guys play. You can't make yourself the big part of the game there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I mean, not to take away from it. I mean, you know, the, the Bucks did win the uh, the big game and all, but, um, I mean, uh. Tony Romo was, you know, getting into it pretty quickly, saying that they already won. There's still seven minutes left in that game. It's a little confusing a little bit there. Yeah, I think, you know, he was a little over-exuberant. You know, at some points you, you make it sound like it's over, but then you also, you're at the same time you're trying to make it sound like it's not over. It's like, just let the game play. You know what I mean? Yeah, it can't get any worse than uh, Collinsworth not knowing what a catch is. Yeah, I'll say I'll take it. I'll take Romo a hundred times then I'll t- then Collinsworth that w- that Collinsworth is the worst. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're talking football here. You know, we got some big news coming on uh, with the with the Eagles right now with uh, Nick Sirianni as the head coach uh, coming in, uh, former offense coordinator of uh, the uh, the Indianapolis Colts. Um, he's coming in with quite a bit of experience. Uh, what do you think about him so far? Honestly, I can't really form an opinion. I don't know too much about him. Unfortunately, um, wasn't very impressed with this press conference, but you know, not everyone's great with public speaking, you know, time I mean, will t- the coaches paid the coach not to public speak. Right. But you know, time will tell. Um, it's just, we got a lot of uncertainty on this team right now though, you know, coming soon, you know, you get the reports out there that Carson Wentz is about to be traded, heard a number of different trades out there that are possible. You know, one thing being a trade to the Chicago Bears um, for possibly Nick Foles, Tariq Cohen, and a first-round pick. I believe that was per Natalie Aganoff of 97.5. Yeah, I wonder, where, you know, I wonder how, where they got that from, you know. I mean, you get the tweet later from uh, Tariq Cohen said that he was staying with uh, the Bears as far as he knew with the, the GM and the coach there. They reassured him his job in – uh, Chicago. Um, yeah, I mean, to me, it's a, though, it's a big um, deal when you hear that the big trade that you know could end up bringing the, your your former you know uh, big game MVP back to the team. This to you know probably be the the mentor and backup of Jalen Hurts. But I mean, if he doesn't succeed, what do you think? I mean, personally, I think if they go if they want to roll with Jalen Hurts, then which is what they should do at the end of the day, because why did you draft him in the first place? Why did you create this mess to start with, not to roll with Jalen Hurts? Um, But, you know, it'll be nice to have a nice soft voice in the background, a nice mentor like Nick Foles, who isn't going to be as, like, hungry to start necessarily as Carson Wentz would be. Right. Um, But he he comes in with plenty of experience, Super Bowl MVP. Uh, Could only mean good things for Jalen if they do decide to roll with him. I mean, I will go on record, though. My opinion being is that this franchise is in complete disarray right now. It's the worst I've seen it probably in my lifetime. Probably not since the uh, Ray Rhodes era, maybe before that. Um, I think the main problem is still hot, uh, employed with the Philadelphia Eagles. Howie Roseman, you know, that guy should have been fired probably last year. Um, but they kept him on this year, and he just he hasn't gotten any better, you know. Everyone wants to say he's so good with the cap, blah, 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 whatever. Uh, to me, it's like you have such a history with poor drafts. You know, you know, we can go through this till we're blue in the face. You know, you, you, know, you took J.J. Ortega-Whiteside over, over D.K. Metcalf, who was a freaking freak of nature-looking guy. Um, you take uh, Jalen Rager, a type of receiver, 
over the best receiver that was available in Justin Jefferson. And then, you know, and then both guys go on to set records while, you know, Ortega Whiteside has as many reception, has less receptions than DK Metcalf has touchdown receptions. That's that's the big funny stat right there. <laughs> that, that is the big funny stat. And then on top of that, you have Jalen Rager, who was hurt before the season even began, um, and then gets another injury uh, during the season, while Justin Jefferson sets the record for rookie uh, receiving yards. I mean, there's no discredit to you know Jalen Rager. I mean, I think he's going to hopefully pan out to be a, a decent wide receiver. I mean, just not the one you probably will hope for, like a DK Metcalf or Justin Jefferson. Oh yeah, don't get me wrong. Like, J- I mean, I'll give it more. I'll give it more time on Jalen. Uh, you know, it's a tumultuous season, a lot of things going on, but in the same vein, it's like how he needs to learn the concept of draft the best player available. Stop trying to be the smartest guy in the room by taking a project or taking, you know, this guy that fits our offense over the guy who is the best player available you know exactly i do i will say there were uh, rumors out there about uh the jjr sega whiteside pick not being a howie roseman pick but more a jeffrey larry pick yeah but at the same vein too um the player i heard howie roseman that wanted to take um was hasn't been that much more impressive than ortega whiteside uh he ultimately ended up with the colts Uh, who was that again is that a uh, Pascal? Something like that. Um, well, I mean, he's turned out to be a pretty decent little weapon for the Colts, though. So. Yeah, but not I'm, not anything too too special, but. Yeah, his, I mean, his stats haven't. No, it was Paris Campbell. That's who it was. It was oh, Paris Campbell. Okay. Yeah, his, his stats. I mean, he might be a tad bit better. I mean, who knows how he would have been with us? But in the same vein, it's his. To me, like the stats are comparable. Whereas, you know, Justin Jefferson, that would have been great. Could you imagine if we had Metcalf and Justin Jefferson on this team? Well, or, I always like to imagine, you know, all these hot receivers, you know, not, you know, panning out too well with the Eagles because it just seems like the Eagles can't get a, a hit on a wide receiver. Yeah, but I feel like these guys would have been game changers. Even if they took DK Metcalf, what was that, two years ago now? Yep. Um. They might not have even needed another receiver this draft. They probably could have yeah. gone another direction. Could have finally gone linebacker. Could have drafted another cornerback, you know? Um, offensive yeah, lineman. You could have had somebody like Patrick Queens who uh, has played some good ball this year with the uh, Ravens. Yeah. You know, we haven't had a decent linebacker since Jordan Hicks, and even he was, you know, very injury prone. Um, you know, and then to go more with Howie's draft blunders, at the – you don't draft. You, you just sign your franchise quarterback to a long-term contract extension for a lot of money, right? And then to go ahead in the second round of the draft to take a quarterback, Jalen Hurts, he just got o- out of Nick Foles' shadow because they got they sent Nick Foles to Jacksonville, and then you turn around and you're gonna draft Jalen Hurts in the second round. I mean, I might have been okay with it if it was like the fourth or fifth round, if he was still sitting around. But the second round, that's just sending a message to your quarterback that, you know, hey, you're still in the competition. You're st- you might not still be our guy. When the guy just threw for 4,000 yards in 2019 without one single wide receiver uh, going over 500 yards receiving. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, not to discredit, you know, Jalen Hurts because I know, I mean, it wasn't the best performance towards the end of the season. But when he came in, it did definitely make a spark and a little bit of a change to the team. But, 
I mean, it it doesn't make sense to you know bring in a guy like that you know in the second round. I mean, especially when you probably could have gotten him third, fourth round minimum. Yeah, I mean, I'll but, say he he did create some sort of a spark when we were struggling. You know, um, he you know he created a little bit of a spark in that Green Bay game, almost brought us back. But then Green Bay kind of figured him out pretty quick. You know, the Saints game he played fairly well, almost blew it though at the end with that fumble. But th- then again, you think the Saints were playing with their backup quarterback as well in Taysom Hill. Um, and then the he's Arizona a, game was a tight end running back. Right. The Arizona game, you know, was probably his easy, the easiest, easy, easily his best uh, game as a, as a quarterback this year, uh, throwing for over 300 yards scoring. Uh, I think he threw for like three touchdowns and one rushed for one, uh, but they still lost. Yeah. Um, and then the last two games against Dallas and uh, Washington, yeah, he didn't very, didn't play very well, you know? So, yeah, I mean, you could say that Washington game, you know, everybody just wanted to get out of there. They didn't even want to play that game, but. Yeah, I mean, I know that was a throwaway game, but still, I mean, to me, I mean, he created a little bit of a spark, but still hasn't proved, you know, my eyes aren't wide open thinking, oh, this guy's he's our guy, you know what I mean? At the end of the day, in my opinion, I'm going to say the Eagles failed Carson Wentz. I'm not absolving Wentz, though, for, you know, his play in 2020. You know, he did play pr- very poorly. You know, he could have gotten the ball out a lot quicker at times, made better decisions. Um, but in the same vein, I feel like the team failed him, you know, didn't s- surround him with better weapons. You know, the offensive line getting hurt didn't help, not having, you know, good enough depth um, on, at certain positions on the line. And just the play calling didn't work out very well. Now, rumor has it, though, that Apparently, Wentz liked to change some plays, so, I mean, that could have been the problem as well. I mean, I don't know why he would do that, but that is a rumor. Well, I mean, they gave him too much cushion, you know, to be able to have those opportunities and can't really take it away from a quarterback that thinks he can do it, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's one thing if he's doing it because he sees something in the defense and needs to audible out of it, but if he's doing it just for the sake of doing it because he doesn't like what uh, the coach called, then that is a problem. So I'm hoping that wasn't the case, but... You know, that yeah. was a rumor. I just want to put that out there. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it does sound like, I mean, silence is your, it tells a lot. But, I mean, hey, maybe he wants a change in scenery. I can accept that. I understand. I mean, it's not a it's not a good feeling when your franchise quarterback doesn't want to play here anymore strictly because, you know, it will kind of happen, you know. Right. Now, the latest rumor I heard today, though, was, uh, apparently, how or uh, we uh, Carson's relationship with Jeffrey Lurie and everybody else in the Eagles organization is fine. The only person he's not returning calls to or answering the phone for is Howie Roseman. So I feel like that goes to show you a lot that, you know, I, I don't even think there was issues between Doug and uh, Carson now that, you know, I'm hearing this report. I'm thinking there's everyone's got an issue with Howie Roseman, but somehow Howie can play some voodoo mind games on Jeffrey Lurie to make it think it's everybody else's problem. <laughs> Well, I mean, the one issue that you got to see, too, is, you know, the big, there was a big rumor about Doug Peterson, you know, in his, you know, exit interview. We guess, I guess we can call it because, you know, he was fired. But uh, was that he wanted to uh, move on using Jalen Hurts, and then you can dispose of Carson Wentz in whatever way he saw his fit. But, I mean, they thought that they could maybe save him, but, I mean, it's a little too, too late now to try to save him. I mean, personally, I didn't think it was too late. You know, I, I don't like the idea of, you know, having $34 million in dead cap space. Um, I think, you know, if they so- somehow tried to maneuver some things around to try to get some better players around him, maybe you could save him. 
Because at the end of the day, he was mainly thrown to, as Colin Coward would say, you know, deck chairs and lawn furniture. You know what I mean? Like, you know, practice squad guys, rookies, third stringers. Uh, in front of Wawa. You know, yeah, you're meeting guys in front of Wawa. You know what I mean? You know, he, he'd be better off, th- you know, he could be thrown to me. You know what I mean? And it doesn't help, too, you know, year after year that offensive line is just decimated with injuries. Right. I mean, we saw that in the super, uh, the big game here, you know. Yeah, it didn't help uh, Patrick Mahomes, you know, losing that offensive line. So I'm hoping. So what do you what do you think Carson Wentz's worth is in a trade? Uh, you got to definitely at least get one first round pick, maybe even two, um, and that's two if no other players are involved. So I'd like to think that. If he's getting traded to the Bears for that rumored trade, uh, I really don't feel like Nick Foles and Tariq Cohen are enough. You know, prefer, pr- preferably I'd, I'd expect a, I'd expect another pick, even if it was a mid round pick. Yeah, like I, you know, if we're gonna do the two players and the first round pick, I'd still want like at least a, a third or a fourth. You know, because we're talking about a quarterback who three years ago was MVP, threw for thirty three touchdowns. Even with this past season, he still has one of the best TD to interception ratios of all time. Right. I mean, when you think about it, he was only uh, – he was still, you know, was he even in terms of touchdowns and interceptions this year? Um, I know he had like 16 picks. I think maybe – was it 17 or 18 touchdowns? Yeah, so uh, this year it's uh, 16 touchdowns to 15 interceptions. So, I mean, he was still over. I mean, those are kind of near similar to his rookie year. I mean, his rookie year, I remember, was uh, 16 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. I mean, but, you know, that's being a rookie. Yeah. But, I mean, mean, when you you think about it, I mean, mean, there was reports out there that, you know, people people didn't even think the Eagles could get a first-round pick out of that. Right. Out of, out of Carson Wentz. I mean, that kind of seems absurd, you know, considering we, we just saw that trade, you know, last week with uh, Matthew Stafford going to uh, the uh, L.A. Rams in exchange for, uh, you know, the number one overall pick of the 2016 draft, Jared Goff, along with some, uh, you know, first-round picks going over to Detroit. Uh, yeah, going to uh, Detroit for that. I got to um, say, though, uh off to, I guess go, going into that topic, the Rams wildly overspent for Matthew Stafford. The Rams, for some reason, just do not like to have first-round picks. Uh, what is their next first-round pick? It's not until, like, 2024, I believe. Yeah, it's, like, 23-24. Like, their last first-round pick was Jared Goff. Exactly. Back in 2016. I, I, I mean, the other thing that you got to think about, too, is, yeah, no, no discredit to – you know Matthew Stafford. I think he's a fabulous quarterback. I think. I mean, know, I think he's just, he's, he's a better than Jared. of a bad team. Yeah, I think he is better than Jared Goff. So I think he will have a very successful season with LA. I just feel but like Jared Jared Goff has one of the highest winning percentages, you know, since coming into the league. So it doesn't really make sense to. Yeah, you know, I mean, and has attended a Super Bowl. You know. What, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I would have Stafford still... hasn't even won a, a playoff game. Yeah, well, I I still would have rolled with Jared Goff. Like, I don't see. I didn't really see the need to trade for Stafford. I mean, I think Stafford is better, but not, I think, marginally better. I don't I don't feel like he's, I don't think he's going to set the world on fire, but I think he I'm will. I'm assuming ha- we'll have a little bit more confidence. I think he'll have more confidence, and, you know, 
he will have more success. That's what I'll say. But I still don't see that being like a huge move, especially now you still don't have any first round picks. Exactly. Like they they'll have gone I think seven years without a first round pick if they don't trade anymore. <laughs> yeah, so I think we got a little bit more time here. Um, I think uh, uh, one of the, one of the big keys is you know now that the the season's over, um, we I guess we could both agree that it was a poor season and uh, hopefully we can uh, wake up next year. I know we will gratefully uh, say that's not going to happen. Uh, what do you think about the draft? The draft, personally, I mean, I know me and you have talked before. I really want to see either Devontae Smith or Jamar Chase drafted here. Um, you know, I want to see finally get a true number one receiver, the kind of receiver we have not had since Terrell Owens. You know, we need somebody that, you know, I guess Jalen Hurts, if he's our quarterback, uh, can trust, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, who can throw that ball up and he's going to go get it nine times out of ten. You know what I mean? Yeah, you, need, you definitely need somebody that fits that mold. Um I mean, my preference is going to be Jamar Chase over Devontae Smith. Yeah, I mean, I do like the big-bodied receiver. I feel like he'd be the, uh, a good one who can uh, go up and get anything, run run across the middle, do pretty much anything for you. You know, not not any uh, – nothing to, you know, Smith. I just – I mean, it does, you know, worry you that he's, you know, 180 pounds, six foot one. He's very skinny. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's got some speed and – I mean, you know, Heisman tells you, you know, he's a big deal, but I, I'm i just worried about, you know, durability than anything else. I mean, he had a quarterback that had durability issues. Um, I mean, this team is filled with, you know, durability issues. I mean, you know, do you want to bring somebody in with that high chance? Do you want to bring somebody in with some tougher bones? I just want to finally bring somebody in here who can stay healthy. And then, you know, if we end up getting another first-round pick this year, I'm hoping we can see a cornerback or a linebacker drafted in the first round. Yeah, I'd like to see a high-profile linebacker. I mean, we can probably still get away with, you know, still having Darius Slay. I mean, I know he's getting up there in age, but I still think, you know, I mean, towards the end of the season this year, I know he struggled a bit, but for the most part, you know, I was definitely pleased with Darius Slay, and I like that we picked him up even at the age that he's at. I do think, you know, down the line, we're going to need to, you know, I start think, considering a cornerback. We, think, we do definitely need secondary help. For sure. Yeah. I think the second round, we'll find our cornerback that can line up opposite of Darius Slay. I think Maddox, you move him to the slot. And then um, further on in the draft, I think we, you know, look for, I think, another linebacker um, and probably another safety, you know, start planning for McLeod, uh, McLeod's departure. And then at some point you're probably going to need to find another defensive end because I don't see us re-signing Derek Barnett. I think he's underperformed since he's been drafted. He's had a few good plays, you know, especially the uh, fumble recovery in the Super Bowl when Brandon Graham got the strip sack. But for the most part, you haven't. I haven't been enamored with Derek Barnett, so I don't see him coming back. Yeah, I mean, it really just depends on you know what kind of contract he thinks he deserves. Uh, I know we got him on the fifth-year option. Um, it really, I mean, it really just depends on, you know, is he going to have a career year on his, you know, fifth-year option, and then all of a sudden you're going to have to expect, you know, high-end money, or are you going to be able to get him at a, you know, long-term deal more at a cheaper cost? I think he's worthwhile because he's definitely strong in a run game. I think, you know, one of the big things that, you know, this Eagles defense, you know, predicates on is that strong run defense, uh, the ability to not allow, you know, teams to rush i mean a lot of yards or even at crunch time you know 
I think, you know, your bigger problems are more, you know, your secondary, you know, being able to have guys that can cover. I mean, it also helps, too, you know, getting yourself into a scheme that, you know, creates adjustments throughout the game and just and just stick to one thing and allows blitzing. Yeah, I mean, we'll, but we'll see how the new uh, defensive coordinator here, uh, what kind of scheme he wants to run, because is he going to be more predicated on the pass rush or is he going to want better uh, guys in the secondary? Uh, I I. I mean, I, I was reading up on him a little bit, and I know a lot of the bigger, you know, areas of coverage is going to be your cover, too. So, I mean, that kind of, you know, shores up a little bit of your, your cornerbacks, you know, kind of disguises them from, you know, being exposed too much. But, I mean, as long as we got the right personnel in there. Right. Now, what was I going to say next? Well, I do want to go on, you know, while you know we're getting close to the end here. Um, this podcast is going to be mainly for Philadelphia sports. You know, okay, on occasion we'll cover stuff outside of Philadelphia and, you know, maybe venture off into some other topics. But for the most part, we're talking Eagles. You know, in future podcasts, we'll be talking some Flyers. Hopefully we'll be able to get a uh, sports betting podcast in here where we can give you some tips on some uh, picks you can make. Anthony. Yeah, and you'll definitely you'll definitely hear some uh, you know other things like the Sixers, the Flyers, uh, Phillies. You know, we're not just all about you know one particular sport. We're all about you know Philly sports in general. Um, you know, we'll definitely get some tips in there with some sports betting, and you know if you guys want to hear anything fun. I mean, this is out for one sports. You know, our our ideas. You know, like you're sitting at the bar, hanging out with your your buddies. You know, drinking a beer, watching a game. And you're gonna ask why is it called out for one? It's because you never just go out for one. You'll be coming back here for more and more. Now, uh, let's a little background on us. You know, we're both big Philly fans. You know, been to countless Eagles games, countless Flyers games. You know, I'd say countless Phillies games too. And then, say Sixers game, we haven't been there as much as we'd like to. But you know, hopefully after quarantine's over and this COVID goes the hell away, we'll be able to get to some of those games as well. Yep, um, and you know, it helps that we're just outside of Philadelphia. We live in the Bucks County. Yeah, so I mean, and we love to tailgate, uh, tailgate every game. You know, like to drink beer. You know, my usually my beer of choice is Sea uh, Light. You know, that's Coors Light. You know, on occasion, on you know, I I do like to att- attend other breweries out there and try new things. Like I said at the beginning of the show, I'm enjoying a nice uh, Steve Austin Broken Skull IPA from El Segundo. Very delicious. Probably the best IPA I've ever had. And I am uh, enjoying a nice, smooth Coors Light. Yeah. yeah. Takes the edge off. Makes makes the podcast go a lot smoother. Yeah, exactly. Why don't we cue in that ending music and we'll uh, head out of here. Thank you guys so much for listening to us. And uh, we, hope to hear, uh, we hope to see you next time. Thanks. All right. Ha- have fun, everybody. Good night. That was the Alpha One Podcast with Tom Carroll and Anthony Carroll.